Hey everybody, welcome to the Anything But Typical podcast. It is great to have you and um, I hope you have a tissue box handy because you are going to need it for crying. You're going to be laughing so hard with oh boy. more in particular. That was exactly my experience when I first heard him and it has been my experience every time I have ever had a conversation with him. So, <laughs> You're in you are setting this bar way too high. <laughs> so, <laughs> you are setting this bar way too high. Go ahead. So anyway, Stacy Cassio was introduced to me by Marie Mann. Uh, is it Oliveri? Is that yes, Oliveris. Right? Uh-huh. And um, she's like, oh, you have got to meet Stacy. Well, I'm glad I did. And then as the world turned, we found out that we had this common uh, friend with this beautiful long crazy beard named Chris Elmore so there we go the fact that Chris had so much of an impact in your life Stacy which makes this even more fun so this is going to be a totally anything but typical podcast I know that but here's the question to both of you and I'm going to go to you Stacy first because Chris could take the entire time so here's the question true true to each one of you Stacy, you are at a restaurant of your favorite place. And for you, Chris, it's your favorite biker bar. All right. So <laughs> yeah. it, Wal that's it, Walmart. It, there you go. Okay. <laughs> so you are there and there are some people who know you well. They're talking about you, but they don't know that you are able to hear what they're saying, that you're that close. What is it that you wish that they would be saying about you, Stacy? And then, Chris, same question for you, only imagine at Walmart, okay? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. What if I'm there's about no, to at Walmart? There's no biker bar at Walmart. <laughs> First of all, what restaurant? Hey, I think I'm going to take over this podcast. What restaurant would you be at? <laughs> Me? Yeah. This is your question, Stacy. This is not I'm going to well. mute you, Chris. <laughs> Well, um, I would be at Dairy Queen in my hometown. Oh. Wait, where in Kansas was that? I forgot what it was. It wasn't. It's Quinter. Quinter, yes. Quinter. Yes, exit 107 on, or 107 on I-70. I've been there. No. no. There's no. I'm from, you've been. I'm from Newton, Kansas, but this is not about me. So go back to you. <laughs> Wait, the... you got to make the Kansas connection, though. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. So there you're, are many in the world. you're at the Dairy Queen at Quinter, Kansas. What what would somebody be saying about you that you'd like to have them say about you? Well, it's funny because this has actually happened to me before, where I overhear somebody, and it's almost like, oh gosh, should I duck away from this conversation because I might not like what's been being said after. But what I heard was that Cassio, man, she is charmingly contagious. And I started thinking about that. And what does that mean? And I actually think that's a very good description of me because once you meet me, I am not going to let you forget it. Right, Chris? <laughs> I, I completely agree. <laughs> completely agree. She would not let me forget. That is a beautiful Two-word descriptor. I love it. That's the good. The other I'm... thing I'll say about that, though, I, I 
um, love when the members of Pink Mentor Network come back and they say, oh, I've been Cassioed and they turn me into a mm. bird, which yeah. that to me really means a lot. And it usually means they came to some bright idea or some conclusion that they wouldn't have come to on their own. So it's always really powerful when I hear that. I love it. I'm not, okay, I'm, Chris, I'm not going to answer the question. That was, I can't, I can't compete with that. All right. It's so not I'm a at competition. A, it's not a competition. It's always a competition. No, it's not a competition. <laughs> I, you know what though? Let me do this. Let me do this. The, the, and I am dead serious about this because it's going to sound very convenient in just a second, but probably one of the, the highest compliments I ever got from someone was from Stacy because she said that my superpower is, and I, don't, I can't remember if I was eavesdropping or you said this. I think you told my wife this, right, Stacy? So. Yeah. That my superpower was that I made people feel important. Is that it? Yeah, that's exactly Something like that. I, that was huge right there. I mean, if I could eavesdrop, it would. I think there should be two things. If I could eavesdrop that, a direct quote from Stacy was really touching. And then the other thing that I'd really like to hear is someone say, boy, that guy has lost a lot of weight. <laughs> you actually have i was looking no at i got it back i went to the doctor yesterday i don't want to talk about it when you go to the doctor <laughs> over 50 it's really personal <laughs> yeah it gets rough but anyway i gained it all back stacy let's uh, not talk about it's that the times it's it's covid uh 15 or whatever well, you know what I did? This is exactly what you want to talk about on this podcast is that at, in December, I went 100% vegan. And I'm the only vegan on the face of this earth that has gained weight. <laughs> I don't know what that is. And I stopped smoking and I stopped drinking. And I don't want to talk about it. I feel like the belt is a great KPI for the quarantine because okay. many of us didn't put a belt on for a while and you yeah. put it on, you're like, oh, wow, I have not been out of the house enough. I, matter of fact, I, not only do I know that, but there's no way I'm putting a belt on. <laughs> okay, Ben. <laughs> so for the, the three listeners who are still with us, yeah. we appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> um, Let's jump into the actual intro and credentials real quick, and then we'll, we'll dive into the, the more formal, I guess, piece of the conversation. So uh, Chris has been with Avid Exchange since it started in 2000. He's an adjunct professor at Queens University of Charlotte and UNC Charlotte, and he is a nine times published author. Plus, I read on, on the website also, you have over 500 published articles as well. So we'll dive into yep. that as well. Yep. And Stacy is the founder and CEO of the Pink Mentor Network, which is the first female mentorship community uh, in Charlotte, correct? And it was, or, and prior, you were the director of new product development and director of operations prior to founding that. And so we're going to dive into that experience and how that's linked to, to your, uh, your founding experience and things like that. So thank you both for being on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Stacy, I want to start with you. And, and I want to go to the, the origin of Pink Mentor Network. So, so paint a picture for us of kind of where you are and what led to the founding of Pink Mentor Network. Yeah, so it started three years ago. And I will say it was completely selfish. I was looking for a mentor. I was at a place in my, in my career where my team was male 
and organization's leadership was male. And I really just wanted a strong female mentor to mm -hmm. remind me not to like tone down who I was in rooms where I was the only. And it turns out mentorship is hard to find. It's a lot easy, easier when we're early in our careers and people um, are willing to invest in us because it's clear that we have no idea what we're doing. But as we grow, it takes a little bit more to kind of develop those relationships. And so I started this just because I was looking for a mentor and that really the need drove innovation and then it was such a collective need that demand then really created the need for scale. And so it's been, um, it's just been really, I think for me, mentorship was always important to my career. It was always how I got to the next place. If someone would tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, come with me. But what that did was put me on their plan, put me on their career, you know, achievement goals. And they were using me as a resource to help achieve whatever they were going to, either intentionally or unintentionally. And once I started to kind of own that I am anything but typical, I am a farm girl from Kansas. I am a college opt out. I moved to New York when I was 19 and I knew no one. I didn't, I, I'm like the farm girl who hailed a cab. I had zero idea how to do anything. But what I did know how to do was ask people for help, watch what they were doing, mimic what they were doing well and adapt it for myself. And that has been an ongoing kind of reoccurring theme in my life is watch great leaders mimic what they're doing make it use it until it authentically becomes my own so that's it's just been kind of a steal their good stuff yeah steal their good stuff steal what works for you uh and not everything will so one of the there's a, a lot to unpack there but one of the the really interesting things that stood out that i want to dig deeper on is you had said your mentors prior earlier in the career were mentors that came and tapped on your shoulder and that you were at a crossroads where you were actually looking for a mentor. So what were you looking for in that point in your life? Because you obviously recognized the value of the mentor, but you were being proactive this time versus reactive with somebody coming to you. So uh, what in the mentor did you need there? Oh, that's a great, great observation. So it's actually one of the thing I things I find we struggle with the most. We will show up in front of great mentors and bring all of our career and life baggage. Instead, if we show up with people for, in front of people who have great experience with our vision for our lives and our careers, they'll help you get to the next level. But they don't want to sort out all the garbage that came with you. And right, so- Mentorship is very different than a coach. And so once I started to get proactive about what I needed and found people who were doing that well, and then just a conversation about how they got started, then you run into people like Elmore in your life and it all goes off from there. What did I do? I don't <laughs> hey, leave me out. Hey, leave me out of this podcast. No. How, how did you guys meet? I'm curious. That's oh, great. Because when I first contacted you Stacy about mentorship because I think it's such a needed topic um, even more so now where we are even more isolated uh, even though we do have zoom it's still not the same how did you get connected with 
Chris, because when I asked you, you're like, can I do it with Chris? I'm like, oh my gosh, that'll be fun. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so oh, so this was Stacy's that. idea. That's awesome. Of course. Um, Chris, do you want to share that? How did we meet? I do. I do. Let me, I'm going to give you my angle of it because she, 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 uh, in, in your, in her perspective is, is I, I mean, I like it. It's pretty cool, but I gave it, I gave a talk at um, creative mornings and shout out to creative mornings because it's, there's only, you know, what I'm about ready to say is one to try to sound like a celebrity. Did you know that it got out at my high school class reunion that I helped start a billion dollar company and the way that it got out is I was telling everybody. Okay. <laughs> I, I started with the athletes that shoved me into lockers. So, you know, Hey, guess what I'm doing? So creative mornings, one of the, a little quick one, two, three about creative mornings, creative mornings is the only place I've been able to go that it's a, that is a legit meetup where no one care, could care less about the fact that I'm associated with Avid Exchange. Now, I don't, I don't look for places to make sure that people know, but you know, when, you, when, when you're on this kind of rocket ship, people want to kind of be part of it and they want to sell you copiers and they want to you know, make sure that your life insurance is up to date. And I'm fine with that. I have zero problem with any of that. But Creative Mornings is that great place where I can just meet neat people and start talking about ideas and concepts. So anyway, I was fortunate enough to be tapped on the shoulder to do a little talk about chaos. And um, I loved it. And, you know, and, and, but anyway, here I'm rambling. To get to the point is that the next, so it's every month, the next month after that, Stacy got a, uh, what's called a hug grab. And uh, when she stood up and said what she was doing, just the elevator pitch, I was like, I have got to meet this woman. Because that sounded so cool. And um, then we just connected from there. What she doesn't know is that I actually, I technically sought her out. But the way that I seek people out is I, I try to draw them into me so they can ask me for help instead of me asking them for help. So my side of yeah, the story. Tell, yeah, tell the better story. <laughs> I was no, trying to play it cool is what I was doing. No, that was very kind. Um, so I was just starting my entrepreneurial journey and I came across Creative Mornings and Chris is 100% right. If you're starting something with any bit of creativity, find them. It's such a diverse and welcoming environment that they're just phenomenal people in that room that will help. Like I, the reason actually I was attracted to that topic is because my life was super chaotic and I was like, I really need to be in that room. And Chris, you don't know this, but I actually saw you, um, before the event. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's the speaker. I didn't know you. I didn't, I just knew the beard. I knew to look out for the beard. Uh, and I was like, Oh, and you said good morning, and I, I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, but, I hope my kids won't hear this. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> no, but I was uh, Chris's speech that day. Really, it it brought me to tears. Not in the tears you were talking about in the intro, but in actual like, yes, my life is chaotic, and this guy can relate to it. So I need to have conversations with people who have been through this stage because. I didn't know any entrepreneurs at the time. 
I didn't know anyone who had gone through it and was successful. And so that's what I started looking for. And um, I think one of the things that I've learned about mentorship is you have to be bold with the ask um, and, and then show up with very humble spirit and just listen. Yeah, and I got to tell you, not only does she do that, but then one of the things that Stacy's already said that is so important about, about what she does and how she helps other women is that she didn't show up with that baggage. You know, I think I would have been polite, but I don't, I don't need any more baggage. I've got plenty, you know, I got plenty of problems, plenty of issues, but um, we can keep doing this pep rally. Ben, your, your podcast is fantastic. <laughs> you said eight words so far. <laughs> well, no, but one of the things that, that you had just said, Chris, it goes back to what Stacy had talked about of the difference between coaches and mentors. Yeah. Right? So yeah. with a coach, absolutely. You can show up with all of your baggage. That's what they're there for, right? You got to work through that type of stuff and, and figure it out and what works for you. What do you have to get rid of all of that? But, but a mentor, just like you had just alluded to Chris is the complete opposite, right? You've already got your own baggage. You've got the work that you have cut out for yourself. If, if Stacy yeah. were then to pour her baggage onto you and vice versa, then, then there's I would have been polite be and we would have never had another conversation. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that, that makes perfect sense. And that, and that would have been it. But here's the thing, Stacy, that was, she's folding her arms. She doesn't believe me that that would have been, <laughs> that would have been my loss because when you do mentorship, right, when you do it right, both, both sides, both groups, you know, cause I, I never was comfortable with the notion of, being a mentor or having mentees. I don't like that because if, if, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, we're sharing back and forth equally. And there's no, Stacy, come on, tell me how many times have, how many times have I had a situation where I brought it to you and you were that sounding board and you were that creative and I'm like, God, that's so wonderful. You know, and that's, that's the thing about a mentor relationship is that it goes back and forth. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of, one of the questions that I get a lot in a community full of women is how do we be bold with the ask for mentorship? Because it's clear, you know, that women aren't equally represented in every room that, um, you know, black professionals need more sponsorship in corporate America. So what do we do to, um, for the ask and how do we get people to look at us and want to invest in us with their experiences and, a piece of that, a piece of my boldness came from, I wasn't doing it for me. I wasn't asking Chris for his time for me. I found people that I really believed in and I needed help to build a tool and a system to help them. And so the ask, asking on behalf of someone that you know you're passionate about serving just is a total um, reframe of how uncomfortable those those questions can be. And so I think it's really important um, to always reframe it when I think it takes some confidence and that is like a muscle that you have to develop. Mm -hmm. And until you have the muscle, do it on behalf of people that you seek to serve. Yeah, cur courage is not the absence of fear. It's going ahead despite and that people think that courageous people are just some have have a switch that they've turned off where they're not fearful but i think it's completely the opposite is that you kind of push that fear aside for a little while 
Yeah, I started ranking my day by th like the tasks that I'm most frightened to do. And I'll yeah. do those first because I feel most courageous in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember uh, old school uh, ladies, she, was, she would say, you always should eat your problems for breakfast. I was like, that always stuck with me, you know? Good line. Yeah. As long as problems are vegan. <laughs> well, then I you just gain weight and you don't right, understand. Ben, I don't want to talk about it. It's getting uncomfortable now. Um, so I, I'm going to bounce around a little bit chronologically, but uh, Chris, I had alluded at the, uh, the intro about your, the books you've published, the, uh, the articles mm -hmm. you've published, things like that. Obviously, that's a massive volume of, of published content, um, especially in the, in the written form. So discuss with us a little bit what your pr writing process looks like. Is this something that you do during bouts of inspiration? Is it something that you do on a daily basis? What does that look like? Uh, you know what? I'm glad we're talking about this. And I, I, never, I never get to talk about this enough because the, um, one of the great things about raising up a company with the kind of success that Avid Exchange has had over 20 years is I've got a lot to say. I mean, I got a ton to say. And the reason I started teaching at the universities was so I could kind of help cultivate that voice and become a great communicator or a better communicator. I don't know if I'm great at anything because I want to continue to approve it. But the, the writing, the, the only way that I'm able to kind of figure out exactly what I'm doing is if I can get it down on paper and have other people react to it in a negative or a positive way. So the 500 articles, most of them came out as blogs. And the reason why I did a blog is I had this whole routine is that I do a blog and the blogs, the topics that got interest, I would actually turn those into eBooks. And then the eBooks, I would take a collection of the eBooks and I would turn it into a book book. And then the book book was the thing that I went to conferences and talked about. So the end game on that whole thing was I was just trying to figure out a way, a mechanism that I could filter it through people's opinions on what they could, what they reacted positively to. So I could stand up at a conference and give them good sage advice. You know, I felt like if it went through that whole loop and sometimes it would take years to do that, then I could go to a conference and talk about it and, and know I was going to impact somebody's life with that. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's been stress tested multiple times, right? The, the yep. ones, the blogs that got the interest moved on to the next phase, the eBooks that got the interest moved into the book. Yeah. So it, it makes perfect sense that by the time you get to the actual stage where you're talking to people, it. it's already gone through multiple hoops that you know there's an interest or, or a level of, uh, of curiosity. Yeah, I don't, and I'm like, I take it from my attorney friends. I have lots of attorney friends that you know you never ask the question that you don't know the answer to you prepare for the you win the trial before you ever get into the trial and i felt like that was the same way and by the way stacy right you can tell you can tell those people who are just kind of winging it they're like well i had a thought in my head of what i wanted to do and now that i stand up here it's not working out very well and you know i don't i don't um i'm not going to do that it's just too important. So I want to make sure I got a good message and that's how I do it. Stress test is a great way of explaining it because quite frankly, all the ideas that I have, which I have tons of ideas, some are just completely ridiculous. I do have a saying that there's no such thing as an, un, uh, uh, an unrealistic goal, only unrealistic timeframes. 
what I'm trying to do here on this podcast is do as many uh, quotes that can go on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker as possible. That's, that's my job here. But, um, you know, there's just, there's just the time and the place for things. And I want to try to find out what's the most relevant thing that we can talk about. And, and I gotta, I gotta check my ego to make sure that I just not talking about the things that I want to talk about. So I want to interject one thing that both of you have said in different words, <clears throat> but Stacy, you were talking about being bold with the ask and having the courage to do that when you're driven by a greater purpose beyond yourself and then going with humility with a humble spirit. And there is like a gold mine of precious gold in that little litany. If you think about that, because, you know, whether it be in starting Avid, which, you know, I know some of those roots. I know. Some That's of right. That's right. <laughs> and I've heard some of the funny stories. But, um, you know, the master of the pivot, you know, and you guys are the, you know, the 20 year overnight success story, you know, yeah. know who Avid Exchange was until the last couple few years. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's overnight. Well, no, it started in 2000. But um, you guys are very purposeful on, on the whole scaling up and burn harnish and the whole mastering the Rockefeller habits, whether you're using that or you're using um, you know, traction and the whole entrepreneur's operating system, whatever, you have to start with purpose, whether it be Simon Sinek's Golden Circle, et cetera. But purpose is really powerful and does give you courage to do great things individually or collectively when it's been articulated. But the other thing that I, I want to really underscore in this thing is, and this is one of the things that I really love about you, Chris, because the first time I heard it was part of your journey, your own personal journey at the New Canaan Society in 2015. Mm. Oh, I forgot about that. I was, I was crying, laughing so hard, but it was like you were delivering some really serious things as part of your own life journey. Yeah. But then you, Stacy, too, like, hey, um, this whole notion of humility is such an attractive thing. Those who are most successful, I think, have the deepest humility. Because you can have success by what the world says or whoever's standards, but if you're an arrogant jerk, you're, you're going to be alone once the... Uh, the entourage realizes that you're not going to give them stuff. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is directed towards Stacy, but I got to say, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs that are repulsive, and <laughs> and they're no, like, I just that were directed to me. <laughs> no, you got this question. This is not directed to you. We're cutting that out. You got this question, but I've had a lot of I've known a lot of entrepreneurs that are repulsive, and they've always said, I just can't get any traction on my ideas. And I always say, it's because nobody likes you. <laughs> Stacy is polar opposite of that. But you're right. Humility. There was a question there I, I trampled over when Stacy thought I was saying. 
No, I, I appreciate that a lot. I think, um, you know, it took me a long time to figure out what my purpose was. And that is probably the number one question I get from people who see me and they see that I'm doing work I love. And they're like, how can I find that work that lights me up like you live every day? And I always say, it's just that you don't have all the data yet. Keep looking, keep connecting dots, keep going into places you haven't explored because it's going to be the interjection, the, the connection of several things that you love that only you can put together and create your purpose from. And so I can't tell you what your purpose is. You're going to have to find it. And it just means you haven't found all the dots yet. You haven't found all the data. So I, I, one of the things that really just breaks my heart is to see someone give up on that pursuit and settle for a title and a job and a paycheck that is just good enough. And I just, that's one place I, I hope that I never am. Yeah, I agree completely. I don't ever want to be there either. Now, my wife has said if there's an award for humility, I'd win it and beat everybody. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I had another guy say, I'd pat you on the back, but your arm is in the way. So I got, I got a lot of these. <laughs> Um, Stacy, I want to dig a little bit deeper on, on what you just talked about and apply it to your, your life and your journey, right? So the idea of, of finding your passion and um, sticking with it and not getting discouraged because you don't have all the answers, you don't have all the pieces yet. What did that look like as you started Pink Mentor Group? The, the growth process at the beginning, getting traction behind it, things like that, and, and what hurdles came along the way? Oh, there's a million hurdles. There's a new hurdle every single day. In fact, I think I've told Chris, had I known, had he warned me, no, that's not true. Had I known how difficult entrepreneurship would be, I probably never would have started. It's amazing but, how many times I hear that it, because yeah. it's so true, right? You go in with a sense of uh, naivete that you really don't understand the how big the mountain really is. Look at Ben cranking out the big words. <laughs> Nice job. <laughs> That's why we have him. Did, hey, do we have that conversation, Stacy? I didn't. I typically won't warn anybody about anything, and I, that's cool call out, Ben, because you hear that a lot. That if well, if you don't go into it, or, I never. I didn't well, have a choice. You did not tell me that, and had you told me that, I wouldn't have listened anyway because I'm. That's stuck. good. That's good. <laughs> I don't. I. It, I, I got to tell you, it, it's not anybody else's place to tell you you can't do anything. Especially Stacy, it is not, and and I, I agree with you. I just don't listen to those people. Yeah, unfortunately, it's mostly my mom, but we'll we'll not talk about that. <laughs> She's worried about me. Go ahead, Stacy. I'm. I, I knew I was going to do this. I'm trying to be cool. <laughs> You're good. Why is your mom worried about you? I, she. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I my, what it naturally turns into with us. Yeah, no. <laughs> I haven't told life. you that this. Did you? So recently, my mom sat me down because she's worried about me because I'm not watching enough TV. Have we not talked about that? <laughs> we did actually. Yeah, Gary and Ben, I watch zero TV, which for her is troubling now. And <laughs> so I don't know anything that's going on out in the world. And she was worried that I was. I was just too disconnected from everything. But I'm like, mom, I, I, 
I got, I have plenty of problems here at Avid Exchange. I have plenty of problems here at Avid Exchange that I own and then I'm happy that I own and I'm looking for bigger ones. And I just don't, I just didn't have any time for anyone else's problems. I know that probably sounds bad. No, that you know what? I think there's actually a lot of wisdom in that. Um, in your perspective, more so than your mom's. I can, well, I hope I you'll hear this. Your mom, but one of the best books I ever read was called 10 Arguments for the Elimination of Television when I was in architecture school. Um, I know guys that started their companies in the last great recession and they could not, one of them was the head of global brand for GE, big company. And he starts an entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial uh, effort in the middle of chaos and he's like I cannot listen to any news I cannot handle one more thing I just got to keep focused on the next thing in front of me yeah. and something really powerful about that I think in an entrepreneurial journey yeah because the headwinds are so strong oh that I mean that's the problem with being an entrepreneur is that when you have any success like Stacy's having, when you have any success at the beginning of that success, the problem is you're going to get a lot of feedback from a lot of people on a lot of things that you have to do. And you're going to, they're going to present it in a way that you're going to say, Oh, they're right. But the, and I'll, I'll tell you from the Avid exchange experience is that we couldn't follow our customer down every path that they were taking us down. And at a certain point we had to, and, we had to just simply say, well, we're not doing that. And that seems counterintuitive because you can see, you can tell entrepreneurs that had the discipline to say, we're not going to do that versus the ones that did. And the ones that the people, the one entrepreneur, the entrepreneurs that, that couldn't say no to anything, you know, they, they'll, they'll have a company with a couple of million dollars in revenue and 27 operating entities. You know, they're just doing this and they're doing that and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I don't know how they do it. And that's the one thing I love about Avid Exchange success is we've never apologized for doing 25 things really, really well. And, and, that's, and, and we'll continue to do that. And that's the thing that's excited me about the whole journey is staying focused on the really important stuff. Yeah. So I had a question for you, Chris, on this topic of mentorship within a company that you've been in for 20 years, you were an entrepreneur and, and um, uh, you and P.T. Barnum would have been taking the school kids together if you were growing up together. <laughs> I liked P.T. Barnum. <laughs> exactly. Um, but how have you fostered mentorship within a juggernaut like an Abbott Exchange? Well, um, I mean, it's it, it's a it's a secret part of my role, and one of the things I'll to bring Stacy back into this is because you know her being outside of Avid Exchange, and I don't I keep I do less I have less relationships now than I used to outside of Avid Exchange, and I've concentrated more in here. But one of the biggest one of the um, one of the biggest things that I look for are people who kind of seek it out and ask me to do this, and then 
you know, kind of control the steps on, on how frequently we meet and why we meet and when we meet. And I, I and, and that's a, now, by the way, that's an old sales skill, you know, muscle, because when you're in a selling situation, if you're the one driving the conversations and driving it at a certain point, the customer is going to bail on you. They have to kind of pull you along in this whole thing. So I always look for people who have a willingness and a need to, to, to seek me out and to ask me specific things that I can help them with. And I, and I love helping them. Now, what, what sends you into this really close relationship where I start investing in you is what's something that Stacy does really well. And it's that if I give her an idea and if the idea is any good, she goes and takes it and amps it. Right, Stacy? Yeah. It's interesting. So our conversations are usually about an hour. And I think this is important from understanding how successful mentorship, what it looks like. So one of the things that organizations do unintentionally, but is they pair experience with inexperience. And what that does is it totally discounts the inexperience, the fresh eyes, the new perspective that the organization actually needs. And it, it teaches them conform to this experienced person's ways. And uh, one of the things, and it's my biggest, um, I go into companies and I say, throw out your mentorship program. It is ineffective and it's going nowhere. What we have to do is build a culture of mentorship. Because here's the thing, most people don't really know how to be a mentor or what mentorship is. When I do a presentation, I ask, all right, so what is mentorship? And there's never any, any definition. I've never had a definition yet. And so one of the things we have to do is take out the complications. You know, it can't be this program that HR demands you do. And that's what I love about how our relationship, Chris, has just evolved because yeah. it isn't consistent. It isn't a regular monthly meeting. It's a, I have a need. I think Chris Elmore might have a situation or an experience that he's been there before. And then I take his wisdom or his insight and I throw away whatever I don't want to use. I figure out what works for me and I start to add my own personality. It. It. And I, it, so the, the great example of this is Chris, why don't you share um, your strategy for overcoming, um, overcoming, breaking your personal cycles or pitfalls? Well, I can't remember it. Oh. <laughs> Why don't you share Chris's? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Why don't you share where you are with it? I'm going to tell you where it started as. Okay. That's a good one. So when we first met, one of the things he told me was as an entrepreneur, you have to recognize where your shortcomings are and then build strategies to overcome them. Well, at the time, I was starting to build this big uh, community in Charlotte of people who needed mentorship. So I figured if I could take that and recognize the patterns among the members of the community and then build strategies for how to help them overcome those difficulties, then perhaps I would have a new mentorship model. And it was in that that I started to identify there were six different times in our careers or businesses where we could learn from someone who had already been there, add our own flavor to it, and then apply it to our career or business. And it was, 
it was so profound, but it was him sharing what he knew and me applying it to what I saw. And, and here's the thing. She took this thing and ran with it. I mean, now we have the six men. Are we going to get to the six? Because they're I hope so. They're absolutely genius. And in in what's what Stacy has done is she's so he, one of I call it the the innovator's dilemma. The innovator's dilemma. Or no, excuse me. The innovator's burden. The innovator's burden is whenever you have something that's truly innovative, and you're smart like Stacy, we'll just do this pep rally in front of her. Is that whenever you have something that is groundbreaking, smart, you know, and complicated, let's say, which she did, which is mentorship, the the issue, the problem is, is that you have a tendency to just overwhelm people with detailed, nuanced information, and then they can only say, "I can't, I don't want to do this," and, but they don't say that. They say, "Well, there's other projects, there's other priorities. We don't have budget." You know, that's code for I have no effing idea what you're talking about, and. So the innovator's burden is that you've got to give the innovation to people in a way that they can physically consume it. And that's what these, that's what these, these six mentorship levels are because now, okay, now I have something that I can actually consume. Um, let me tell you the advice that I gave Stacy when we first got together. I said, I said, anecdotally, I basically said, you gotta hire for your weaknesses as fast as possible. And that's what she got out of that. And that to me is amazing because I, I just- I, I'm just a bad listener. <laughs> what's that? I didn't, what did you say? <laughs> I no. Yeah. No, no, that is what you, so that, that's, the important, that's the important part about the mentor relationship that we have is that I'll say something kind of off the cuff it, 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 and it hits her at the right time for the right reason that she can take it and move it forward. Now that tells me that that's a good idea. And that, that is completely invaluable to the fact that I have all the other ideas that we've talked about that have gone nowhere, you know, but still that's uh, to me in, in, in you got to hire for your weaknesses as fast as possible is something that hit her. She developed this. And of course, once it was out of the gate, it had nothing to do with my, just kind of off the side comment. Um, but we've had other conversations around revenue and about raising money and things like that. And, and, and to me, as in the relationship, this is helping me figure out what is the stuff that's good that, that actually works. So anyway. Yeah, well, and Stacy, you mentioned this probably 20 minutes ago of in that mentorship mentee relationship that you're gonna have a lot of things coming your way, right? A lot of information, a lot of knowledge, but you have to take what you need in that moment. Cause there's, I'm sure there's, there have been a lot of lessons that just didn't apply to, to either of you in, in those relationships in that moment in time where something else like that off the hand comment of hiring for your weaknesses, that's what happened to resonate. That's what you needed in that moment of your life. Exactly. And one other point to that then is that it's on me as the learner to go back to the person who invested in me and tell them it meant something that's because right. that's the piece that gratitude that i learned from you and i'm using it that people miss because that's what makes people want to reinvest in you that's yeah. that's what develops the relationship it isn't an exchange of business cards it's a i heard you i'm gonna do something with it and here's how that worked for me and so i think the feedback loop is super important in this relationship as well it's, so, I mean, it's everything. 
I, it's, it's not just important. It's everything. Uh, I want to want to interject because Chris, I think you've mentioned two or three times this six mentorship levels. Yeah, let's do this. So I want to make sure we get into that. Uh, so that way we can make sure that it's part of this. So this can is going to be good. Go down that road now. I'm going to get emotional. I, I love it because it just, so, you know, one of the things I realized in the community is folks were coming to the events looking for a mentor, but it meant a different thing to different people. And it was all based on the pain point of their career. And so once I started to identify those patterns, I realized it was anytime we're starting something. So these are the traditional onboarding uh, mentorship programs you see in organizations. So they're starting something. They want to introduce you to culture. When you want to open a business, when you're just starting your career, it's so important to find an example of what success looks like. The next time is anytime you're leading. So we aren't taught how to be leaders, we're shown. And finding good examples of leadership in your career, the sooner you can find them, the better and learn from them and apply it to yourself. And then the next two are technical. So anytime you're trying to become the expert in the room, so you want to build credibility and reputation. And it's so powerful when someone makes a public endorsement of your abilities. That can take your business to a whole nother level. And then innovation. So this is the piece where companies get this wrong because they're trying to discredit the inexperience of their new employee. And no, we want them to come in with new systems, new tools, new ideas about how to keep this place um, relevant. And so the last two are kind of more career mentors and it's anytime you need to grow. So if you need to grow your network, grow um, into another opportunity, uh, anytime you're looking for a job that becomes super powerful. And the last one is surviving. And if the pandemic has proved nothing mm. else to me, it's the power of having great mentors, especially as an entrepreneur, when you're trying to sustain your business and when you're trying to just keep going and all the pivots and all the new normal and all that stuff that we hear, you know, it, it takes someone um, who just sees that there's something there and they continue to remind you that, yes, you can do this. They're not your friends or family who um, are, haven't seen you as a professional, haven't seen you in action. There's somebody who really endorses your work. That, she's just laid genius down right there. <laughs> um, there was stunned silence. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? like pregnant pause silence that happened like right here well it takes yeah. a few seconds to soak it in right and that's absolute genius listen to each level are those are those six published anywhere that somebody can go back and reference those yes so they're on our website pinkmentornetwork.com um and it's you know, I, I think it proves the point that it's not going to be one mentor in your career. It's going to be many different people that you're going to need in order to help you get to the next level. Uh, mentorship is really about seeing a balcony above that you didn't even know existed until someone who's already on the balcony shows you it's there. And so I think it's really powerful. Uh, it's an accelerant to your career and especially business. So Stacy, one of the things you've talked about a few times is um, the value of the inexperience or the fresh eyes or the innovation, right? So we've talked a lot about 
the value of mentorship from the, the mentee standpoint, but you have both been mentors to people. So what are some of the top lessons you've learned as the mentor, the, the person who, who supposedly is the one with the more experience, the one supposed to be teaching, but you've been taught something from fresh eyes or new, new experience or something like that? Yeah, I think the first thing that I've learned is that in every relationship, I am both the learner and the mentor. Mm -hmm. And I think Chris and I are a really great example of that is, you know, yes, this started as me going to him and asking for some assistance or asking for what would he do here, but it's evolved into more. And I think when we um, discount someone and their their path and their journey, and we don't value who's before us, then we're really doing ourselves a disservice because you can learn from anyone who does a job well. And wow. that is really, really powerful once you realize that. You can um, learn from anyone that does a job horribly too. I mean- No point, you just <laughs> might not want to be around them. <laughs> I had a friend like that. I just really, even though we were business associates, he was in a really different space. And he, he saw relationships differently than I did. And so I used to always ask him advice, knowing that I would do polar opposite of what he says. And it always worked out. <laughs> the George Costanza approach. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. There was an episode on Seinfeld about that. Uh -huh. You know, I, I want to underscore one thing that you said there that I thought was like super profound because I've been in these kind of forced mentorship programs and I'm going to call them forced well-intentioned but awkward and cataclysmically ineffective mm -hmm. correct why well because it's like hey here's the guy with the seasoned expertise and you junior are going to learn and if you both go into it that way you're that person is a project they are not an equal and you're not going in with humility. Mm -hmm. oh, and, and I have been the project. And honestly, I am ashamed to say I have gone into mentorship because, you know, I was part of a <laughs> program with the, oh, okay, here, Junior, I'm going to teach you. Right. What an idiot I have been. And, and I, I didn't like that feeling either. So that whole notion, you said this earlier on, I think, Chris, where you said, when you do mentorship right, there's sharing back and forth equally. Yeah. And if you go into that with that mindset, there's not this hierarchy, I'm here, someday maybe you'll be here. It's, yeah. this, we can learn from one another. Well, so, so that, that's part of, the, that's part of the, the mentor program that I always hated is that I was always super uncomfortable with people saying, one day I want to be like you when I grow up. And I'm like, you know, we, I, I learned this at New Canaan Society, that, is, that, um, that the, uh, the true stealer of joy is comparison. And that the problem with comparison is you're always comparing the weakest in you to the strongest in someone else. And I'm from Boone, North Carolina, and that is not a fair fight. And, I, and when I heard that, that that is just not a fair fight, I, that was the last time I compared myself to anybody. So I'm really uncomfortable with someone, you know, wanting to say, I want to be like you when I grow up, which I, I get it, you know, but I just, I just don't want them to do that. I want them to be who they need to be when they grow up. 
Now, my hope is that they've had some successes like I've had some successes or they got lucky by hitching their, you know, they've made some good decisions and, you know, and um, I don't think I've ever done anything that was considered a failure. So I'm hoping that, that they'll have some of those situations, but I don't want anyone to grow up to be like me, even my kids, you know, I just try as hard as I can to make sure my kids grow up to be the best kids that they can possibly be somehow functioning adults. It's not going well, but I don't want to talk about that. It's going fine. <laughs> They're good kids. They're great kids. They, they are Elmore's though. You, I tell you, they're, my, the speech I give to my 15 year old is that you just got to get through it. And that that's typically, but um, that's the problem with That's the thing that I'm uncomfortable with mentorship. And that's the thing that I never felt like Stacy was trying to do with me is like, I'm going to, I'm going to build the next Avid exchange. And I'm like, well, no, you know what? You're going to build the, the you're, you're going to build something completely different. I hope better. Okay, we'll we'll see if that makes the cut. It's gonna be better, and I'm gonna hire you because I'm gonna hire for my weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need some comic relief on your team. That it, oh, we need. Well, there's tension. Let's go talk to Chris. He can break the tension. <laughs> no, I well, think it's a really good point, though, Chris, because one of the things that I am really determined to do is to make that shift. That mentorship shouldn't be a burden. It should be an opportunity to carry what you've learned, all the hardships and the things that you did wrong in your career, share the good parts and whatever lessons kind of settled and invest in someone else who can carry them on and use them. And so we have to change that. If, if we're really going to uh, dedicate ourselves and dedicate our teams and organizations into sponsoring people who don't look like us and bringing the other um, bringing others into a room, we really have to change that it's a burden to mentor or sponsor someone. It's an opportunity. Uh, one of the things that I, when, when you were asking Ben about mentorship and, you know, what I have learned from being a mentor, and I have learned that my legacy will be the lives I impact, not the lives I create. And I have the opportunity to impact so many every day through the work I do. I completely agree. I mean, that's one thing I'm excited about what you're doing is that I, I see this at a large scale. I see this at, as a big mover and I see this as a huge disruptor and it's going to mess everything up. My goal. I hope so. That's my goal. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, and the difference that, that you both were just hitting on, especially with the comparison piece and the mindset that a lot of people go into mentorship of the burden is you're not comparing to try and be what the mentor is. You're right. you're learning from the mentor. You're going to be able to emulate some of those pieces of it, but you're bringing that into yourself yeah. and, and figuring out what that looks like for you instead of trying to be what somebody else is 10 or 15 years, quote unquote, ahead of you. And then, uh, and, and you know, there's, so I don't think there's going to be another Chris Elmore or Avid exchange. I just don't. I referred to myself. I, and I, I don't think we want that. I mean, the probability of that happening is probably really low. So why don't you just not worry about that and go on and do your own thing? Oh, by the way, that's the thing that I like about it is that one of the things that mentorship can do above and beyond anything is, is, is reframe possibilities. And then now I, I'll do a little thing because I know we're in Charlotte, North Carolina right now. Ben, you're in Charlotte, aren't you? Yeah. 
Don't, don't you like it? Yeah. We haven't talked about this on the podcast, Stacey, but have you seen how cool Ben's hair is? Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. yeah he looks- we, we did not really prepare to be on a Zoom, but Ben definitely. He, he is really prepared. together. I wanted to do this deep in the podcast so people would have something to. <laughs> what was I talking I about? I appreciate it. You wanted <laughs> to see what kind of questions I would ask and things like that first. Yeah, yeah we get all the serious stuff. But reframing what's possible is, is, a, is a really powerful thing and, and just kind of um, – and, and I like to, those, one of the things that I don't like to talk about in my personal story that I feel like I'm forced to talk about is how horrible I was in school. You know, and Stacy talks about being a college opt-out, which I love, but I was, I was in the half of the class that made the top half possible in school. And I really struggled. It was really just a real burden. And the problem with being a terrible student is that you get to your 12th year of school and everything that you've done up to that point has been considered a failure. You know, that's basically what you're labeled as. And, and I, I, f- I really feel for those kids, especially young, young girls, you know, we've talked about this openly that I really feel for those, for, for those kids, especially young girls who at the age of 16, 17 have, has gone ahead and signed up as a failure and said that, you know, well, I'm, I'm not going to make it anywhere in this world. I'm not going to be able to do anything. And, and you know, and, and that's, why, that's why I think it's important to have people that they kind of look up to above and beyond outside of their parents or their relationships with, you know, uh, family members and things like that, to have that kind of that outside view to say, was po- if I can do it, Right. There's that story. I think that that's a, even though I hate to talk about that and I'm, I'm uncomfortable with saying, well, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, but I think people have really, really wanted to kind of know that. And I'm, I'm, I believe it. I believe it a hundred percent is that, but here's the thing, this is it. We're here in Charlotte. And one of the things that Charlotte suffers from is that nobody's willing with the exception of Stacy to come up with a big idea and take on a big problem. If I hear an entrepreneur say, I'm the Uber of anything that comes after that, I don't want to hear it because Uber's already happened. You know, you can be the Uber of whatever. My thing is, what's that big idea? What's that big problem? What's that big issue? And Stacy doesn't know this, but I'll say it here on the podcast that we can have it recorded. What she's currently on to right now is not the big idea, but it's, it's, She's, she's going to be five, six, seven, eight steps away from that big idea and maybe several years away from that big idea. And th- to that, that is what really excites me about the kind of work that she's doing because right now, if it stopped right now, it's important work. But there's bigger, it's, it's bigger and it's continuing to try to figure out what that is, is, that I, is what I want to encourage Charlotte folks to do. What's the big problem to solve? Yeah. That again a gold mine right there because if you solve the problem it leads to innovation yeah it happens it's not like oh well can i make a fast buck off of this or that yeah that's my favorite is that you ask young entrepreneurs why you want to be an entrepreneur and they say i want to get rich and i'm like well i got my Nissan Altima repoed the second year Avid Exchange was in business. And I'll tell you, if you can't afford a Nissan Altima, you're not doing well. 
I um, love what you're saying, uh, Gary and Chris. I think that for me, it was solve the problem for me, scale for many. And so, you know, I, I was solving problems a lot, but this was the one problem that I found there were a lot of us that could use the solution that I came up with. And so my husband would tell you that I've had many aha, uh -huh, like this is our big deal. Like this is my right. big idea. Right. This is the idea that's gonna bring us tons of money. There was never once in this whole mission in the last three years where it was about the money. It right. was about getting the solution to the people who needed it. And it's always been that from day one. And I think we lose sight of that. Um, entrepreneurship is kind of like this, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. They want the freedom, they want the flexibility, but it's work. It's the hardest work I've ever done in my life. And, and because you never disconnect from it. You never. never clock out from it. Never. And I love that though, because I'm always finding someone else who needs the solution only I can offer. And so, you know, people ask me what keeps me going and that's it. Find the people only you can serve and do it well every day. And, and I think there's, that's the key to, you know, finding that problem to solve. What's the big problem? What's the big problem in your life and how would you solve it? Yeah. So I, I know we're getting up on the, the, uh, the hour mark. No, so I, we're going to keep talking for would, another couple hours. That's perfect. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to ask uh, a follow-up to each of you on, on what you were just hitting on. It, if you're five, six, seven steps away from from the big impact idea, right? And you can't tell what that's gonna be because you're years away from it. How, how do you, and then again, how can others, right? Translate to the listeners, um, combat complacency? Because you can easily get to a point and vast majority of entrepreneurs eventually do if they're successful. You get, to, uh, you get to a point in your life where you're doing the same things over and over, right? A lot of repetition, you found the people that you do well serving and, and that's where you stop. So how do you combat that and make sure that you can get to that five, six, seven steps down the road that you can't even see right now? Well, I, I say, I'm going to, so two things. One is that, again, I'm trying to sell t-shirts here. One is that the, a key indicator that you're actually pursuing your goals. Now I'm not a big goal setter. I don't like, I don't like the process of goal setting. They got to be smart. They got to do this. Let's have a class on goal setting. I'm all about goal achieving. Let's say, do the setting thing, but really focus in on achieving the goal. The, the, the first thing that I want to say directly to this point is that the number one chief key indicator that says you're actually pursuing your goals and actually working on it is you've realized that that goal has been set too low. And then all you do is just bump it up a little bit. You want to know how to build a billion dollar company, do that for 20 years. And nobody has stopped us. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's such a big thing is that, but the, 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 the issue is that a lot of people don't realize that they bumped, that their goal is set too low because they never pursue it um, vigorously enough. And then the second thing I'll say is that you gotta have a vision for what that success is gonna be like that has nothing to do with bank account cars. Stacy's got a great one. Stacy's got a great one. And, and what I have for Stacy is that one day, no offense, Gary and Ben, is that she's going to be interviewed on the podcast, How I Built This. 
That's, and, and, and if you look at all of the entrepreneurs that have been on that podcast, here, I can't believe I'm talking about someone else's podcast. On it's a podcast. Stuff right okay. after us, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but every one of those entrepreneurs have had the same exact pattern that Stacy's in the middle of, which is I did this, then I did this, then I did this. I took eight steps backwards and then did this and did this. And all of a sudden I got on something and then boom, and that's going to happen to her. So she'll be on that show and that's going to be a key indicator of success. She, I mean, she has another one that's, well, I will say one of the first conversations Chris and I had is he said, uh, you're going to have to change your definition of success. It's yeah. going to have to be the most personal thing that you, um, it's going to have to be something that you wake up and you know you can achieve or that you've hit it every single day. And when you're starting a business, it isn't a, a revenue number, although you learn quickly that you need yeah. to focus time it, there in order to make the rest happen. Uh, and you need that revenue to keep going. But it, it's not the title. It's not all these things that in our careers we were getting awarded. It, our titles, our paychecks, the big office. You don't have any of that as an entrepreneur. So how will I know that my work was successful for the day? And, and what is that for you now? Well, at the beginning, when Chris and I first met, it was... I know I'm successful if I walk into a room and someone says, ah, it's you, you taught me X, Y, Z. And that was just a, a metric of impact. And so that's what I was going after. But now here we are and nobody walks into any rooms. So <laughs> I'm looking for- you Walking know, in a virtual room. Yes, testimonials, um, a way that I know someone, and. A Cassioed, going back to the earlier reference, when somebody tells me that they've been Cassioed, I was successful that day because my work mattered to them. I, I still think that this is a, I still think that you walk into a room and someone said, oh, there she is. I still think that that's a legit um, uh, indicator that you're achieving. You, you know, I, hopefully you're not going to give up on that because we're going to get back to the point where where we see each other in public. I know we need each other. So, uh, but to see, hopefully the folks in podcast land can hear that the, the, the reason why that is so good is because she has pictured this in her mind, how many thousands of times on that coming to fruition. And it's actually happened to her. It's almost like it, because she's ready for that to happen to her. And I, I any, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say, because I think it's really powerful on this platform, anything but typical, that metric would not have happened for me. I would never would have met it had I not embraced everything that makes me unique. Everything that makes me, you know, Chris talked about before, being a poor student was something that speaks to people. It wasn't until I owned the things that I was probably scared to reveal to people that I, they really were inspired by what I was doing. And so, you know, for me, one of them is I do not have children. I will not have children. And as a woman, a happily married woman, that's very yeah. rare. There are only 14% of women who choose not to have children. And so when I say that, you know, and people say, are you living a fulfilled life without kids? I'm like, yes, because I'm doing work that matters to me. And that's why that metric is so important to me. It just keeps me personally and professionally 
um, fulfilled. But it's material though. I mean, we set so many goals that are so not material. It's like, well, I want to be happy. Yeah. All right. What does that mean? You know, my, my whole thing is if you want to be successful, if you want to be happy, there's others. If, if, if you want to be lucky, um, uh, you, you need to have a definition for it. Oh, have a good day. That's another one. Well, uh, you know, I got a definition on a good day. There's three things that have to happen. And if those three things happen, then I have a good day. And it's just great that we actually hit all three of those things on this call. So, you know, that's, but here's the thing is that you, if you can't define it, you can't achieve it. There's no way. Luck. Oh, let me give you luck. Are you ready for luck? Yeah. My definition for luck is when opportunity meets preparedness. And the great thing about that is that when you put yourself out there more and you're an obsessive network, like state networker, like Stacy is, you actually the, you get more opportunities because you're just out there. And then the preparedness is the whole education thing about what you read and then what you consume. And then, you know, you know, I get all of my creative insights from podcasts, TED Talks, and documentaries. You know, that's all that I consume. It, it bothers my mother to no end. But it's all that I consume because it's the, it's the straightest vehicle to get into somebody's head and, and figure out how they're thinking. And to Stacy's early point, I'm going to steal some of that stuff, you know. But you're never going to achieve anything that you can't define. And then if the definition is material, like someone walks into the room and says, there she is, that's material, then it's pretty easy to kind of have success with that. And then you get to celebrate it. I mean, that's the best part. Yeah. I'm exhausted. So, I'm exhausted. I think that's probably a perfect spot for us to, to wrap up on. Is at it least really? Part, can, at least part can we, one. Can, can we talk one. about your vest or we can't talk about this is This is basically the uniform. You'll, you'll see me when, when we're in person again. It'll be pink shirt, blue vest. That's, that's I me. Like it, man. That's my mission. I, so going back to before, the, when this was just a, my own need, I wore pink every single day to remind me to stay focused and it was just it, it became who I was and people often say you know was pink your favorite color and I said no but it became my favorite color and it has gotten brighter as I've gotten more confident in the mission and so I think you know it's it's one of those ways your what you how you show up the world sees that so Ben, you looking all polished and ready for this interview? You only made us more eager to share all of our dirt. Well, good. That's uh, goal achieved, I guess, then. So, so that's perfect. Um, but no, I mean, I, I can't wait to go back and listen to all of this and unpack it because it, there's so many nuggets in here that, that the listeners are going to be able to take away that I'm sure we'll do, we'll do a follow-up, another a part two, because there's so much more to dive into with you. I haven't um, even told you my good stuff. Right. Yeah, we'll save that for the next one. <laughs> um, so to wrap up here, is there any last thing that you two want to want to leave the listeners with? And then I want to put on here uh, also that we will link to uh, things in the show notes. Like Stacey, you had mentioned the, uh, the six levels being on your website and stuff like that. So we'll put all those links in there for people. But uh, anything that you guys have, any final words or, or thoughts? I, I, I want... I, I... I desperately want Stacy to have the last word. She not only des deserves it, but it's going to be good. I, um, it, it, you're ready and it's now and it's the right time. Do it. 
That's it. Perfect. <laughs> I right. mean, just tell yourself that you're ready. It's now and it's the right time. And there's, gosh, there's so many things that can pull you away from, well, I got to wait till the economy. I got to, the no, you're ready. It's now and it's the right time. Do it. I love it. That's the one that should be on the shirt. That's the shirt <laughs> you should be selling. Yeah, so so okay. when we do anything but typical t-shirts and we put quotes on the back, we'll give you some licensing rights. I don't, I, I, w I would love more than anything for you to make a mint off that and me make nothing. Because <laughs> so many people are paralyzed by, they get in their head and you're ready, it's your time, it's right now, just do it. You know, and I will add to that, that I think it's just such a great time for us as a world to examine the systems that no longer work. So we now know in the last four months what's broken and where we as entrepreneurs can put in and really make effective changes. And so things have been halted. Now's our time to develop long-term solutions and not be a band-aid that's just going to triage the system. We need to be thinking smarter and find the people who you really want and need to serve and you know, use all of the things that make you anything but typical and find your community and do it. Now's the time. I think that was one of, now's the time that was part of your slogan, right? I, it wasn't a slogan. I'm just sick and tired of people waiting around. Now don't do something stupid like quit your job and say, well, Chris told me to, <laughs> you know, you gotta be, you gotta be smart about it, but there's something that you're, the listener knows what I'm talking about. And this is not the psychic network. There is something that it, you that's it, and, and, and it might not be a, it might not be a it might not be a company it might not be an idea it could be the fact that you need to apologize to someone or mend a relationship or or go pick up your dry cleaning you know whatever it is I don't know what it is there's something that you that you need to do now and 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 Stacy's a great example of 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 taking action on something she could have she could have side hustled this and worked in corporate America but she took action on something and this thing's going to blow up. This is going to be big and I'm going to take full credit for it. <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect spot for us to, uh, to end part one. So thank you both for sharing. We, uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so thank you. much. You're both anything but typical and everybody out there that has a fingerprint is anything but typical. I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us.